0: I'm Sean Fennessy. I'm
1: Amanda Dobbins. And
0: together we host The Big Picture, the Ringer's film podcast for new releases, career retrospectives, director interviews, movie drafts, top fives, and so much more.
1: Twice a week, we break down the latest releases, argue about whether movies are doomed, and debate our modern film canon.
0: Listen to The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee.
1: Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode, I'm speaking with writer, voice actor, I could keep going, podcaster, sex educator, Aria Vega, about a genre in TV and movies we're calling sex-crazed teen girls on a mission. We made that up. Uh, feel free to use it, but you know, credit us. Uh, welcome to the show, Aria. How are you doing? How's Thank your you heart? Thank you so
3: much. I'm, I'm doing awesome. I, I'm so excited to be here. This is my favorite thing to talk about. Um, <laughs> That's and, awesome. and there's there's just so much. I feel like there's more material than ever to really dive yes. into this subject. So yes. it's a good time. It's a great so time. What
1: so what were your like initial thoughts when I mentioned the topic that we'd love to cover? Oh, I mean, well, one, so like I, you know, I I'm
3: I write more about uh sex and romantic relationships more so than platonic ones, but it, you really can't talk about romantic relationships without talking and thinking about platonic ones. Mm. And I I was really excited for the invitation to uh dive into that more directly because I feel like um whether they're being portrayed in opposition to each other on screen or whether they are Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the main thing. They're often... Portrayed and and therefore considered by the rest of us as being this like mutually exclusive thing, and I think all of us would have more harmonious relationships if we didn't do that. So <laughs>
1: let them know this is why we <laughs> have you on the pod. Um, well, first when we you know when our producer Sasha and I started talking about this topic and I came up with this name, I felt initially like really a little envious that I wasn't as empowered at the age that we usually. See these roles now being played um like I really respect it and, and envy that freedom that comes with knowing what you want and going for it and then also just feeling empowered to explore your se- your sexuality and your sexual preferences which I don't think that I mean I guess it depends on the age of where you're at in your life but I know that I did not grow up seeing that in pop culture and TV and movies or anything like that it was very taboo or if it was hush and i do think that we see like little undertones still of that in the shows that we do watch but what do you think about about that as far as like then and now
3: yeah i think um you know especially in watching bottoms you know as it being that it portrays teen girls like you know i i'm 30 now so it's (laughs) i am watching these movies um with the hindsight that adulthood gives you as opposed to being like a fellow teen girl Mm, um -hmm. you know like when, I, when Mean Girls came out and and so forth, like, it's it's really interesting to see the way that the portrayal of teenagers has changed. Yes. Um, and especially how teenagers go about their relationships because when I rewatch those movies now that I grew up with, it's so easy for me to pick out the lessons I wish I had not learned. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. oh, like, I, you know, the most important social uh, achievement I can make is having a boy like me. Uh, you know, you never saw friendship being celebrated. Uh, you know, it was never the it was never the main plot. It was a the friendship was the side plot. The it main was surrounding
1: plot. the main plot of Correct. finding specifically a, a man. Partner yeah, and most always a man. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it's very true. And I feel like just you th- mentioning Mean Girls, and I think of like other movies or like shows. You know, I think of like Moesha, where it's still having the center is finding the love of your life. That is a male identifying person and everything surrounds it. Even your friendships surround it. Right. Like when they would meet up
3: service of that. Yeah. (laughs) When they would
1: meet up, they would talk about their dating lives and which is true to life. We do talk about our dating lives with our friends, but you're right. Like where what we would see, it would center that so much that I know that personally, it would influence me to be like, this is what I, and also culturally, right. Even setting, Pop culture aside, culturally, a lot of us were taught that that is what we're here to do is to get married and have kids. But that's a whole other conversation. Right. Because like you said, it it wasn't just
3: finding... A boy to date. It was finding right. the boy. It was exactly. finding your person. And it's funny. Like I, I wasn't even thinking about this conversation when I did this last night, but I was clicking through Tubi, which is my new favorite streaming site. <laughs> yeah. um, and they have they have so many you know shows that aired twenty years ago and have been like previously absent from the streaming world. And one of them was this weird animated. Sitcom that I'd almost forgotten about, Brace Face. Um, I'm trying that's to remember familiar. if it was a Disney. Yeah, it wasn't one of the like biggest ones. But when I saw it, I was like, Oh yeah, let me let me see what this was. And, oh yes, you know, okay. Yeah, it's coming back slowly. And literally, like ten seconds in, we have already we have already learned that the main character, her whole purpose for her whole character, the only thing, the first and only thing that's important to know about her for the first like twenty minutes, is that she wants the most popular boy in school to like her and that getting that to happen would essentially be the bow on top of the whole series and when i see how common that was like that's just one you know forgettable possibly disney show from from 2001 but like that storyline is more or less prevalent in just about everything that centered girls and women up until pretty recently. You know, I, I remember the Disney being fairy younger. Tales. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And like when we were younger, it was like, oh, look, like we're getting stories about girls and women. Like, <laughs> you know, this is feminism. Like, hooray, we're getting representation. <laughs> Meanwhile, the representation is just like us being obsessed with the attention and validation from men. And it, even not just things, aimed at kids, but also adults, Bridget Jones Diary. I mean, just pick pick a, pick a rom-com. And it's the fact that we were cons- like, the fact that I was mainlining that message as a child <laughs> with, with no other sense of, of relationships or the world, like it's no wonder it took me until adulthood to remove men as like the locus of my self-esteem. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oof. A partner or V1, like you mentioned, not being the be all end all of your own story was took some unlearning based. And as we do look back now, we see why it became so much of the one thing that us women needed to focus on. I do think that the movies that we are going to talk about that we have mentioned already, like Bottoms or also Never Have I Ever, Sex Education, Pen fifteen, even where it's just like they these girls are all about getting what they want, as far as like getting whoever they want and only doing what they want. It's still like another person might be at the center of their personal storyline, but you do see them still focused on themselves.
3: I do see, like, to in in some ways, like it just feels like another. Shift that is only serving to once again normalize the idea that sex, romantic relationships, and partnerships are what is most important
1: in their in their lives
3: in 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 their stories and therefore their lives. Like I, I, I think that. You know, it's great that more and more movies are sh- and shows are passing the Bechtel test, right? Like this is the, you know, sort of unofficial measuring stick. And I don't necessarily think that that metric is like the most important way to uh, determine how feminist a movie is, which I think is what it's been reduced to. But I think it is useful for measuring. The extent to which the focus, even if the motivation has changed, as you're alluding to, it's not that, oh, she feels like she has to get married because that's what women are supposed to do with their lives. Now it's more like, well, she's empowered, like her sexuality is how she expresses her empowerment and how, you know, and how she... Can express her agency, but at the end of the day, it's still about men getting their dick wet. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm the sex ad- sexist. <laughs> I forget. I can, I'm like I I'm gonna leave to be it to as Sasha. vulgar as I can be. I, I'm gonna it, leave it up to our producer Sasha to deal with how honest. Yeah, how yeah, honest I'll, we are? No, yeah. I have to get out of my. I, I work in the adult industry, and I, I have to <laughs> bridge uh, bridge that gap sometimes intentionally. But I mean, like at the end of the day, it comes down to men getting sex and partnership from us. And so it feels like, again, like the the way that the shift when we were kids was like, oh, look, like, you know, we can, we now make movies and shows with girls at the center of them. We didn't used to do that. Um, And so like, it's a huge accomplishment that we did, but we're still going to make their whole raison (laughs) d'etre pleasing men. And it feels like a similar shift is underway.
1: What did you like love or hate about Bottoms when you think <laughs> of what you just
3: shared? Yeah. So, you know, Bottoms is so interesting um because, you know, before I saw it, you know, I'm I'm hearing it characterized as a sex comedy um and uh, I saw somebody refer to it as like a lesbian incel comedy and I was like, what on earth? Like what are <laughs> you <something> about? <laughs> it? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, like, you when you hear those things going in, um, it it sort of. I, I was. I think I was expecting like super bad with women or oh, girls at okay. the center. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure because like that's what I think about when I think about an incel sex comedy, like in the classic sense or in the sense that was you know popular when we were teens, and at, like I instinctively sort of that repelled me, but then I saw it <laughs> yeah. and I was like. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I think I get it. And the reason, so more context needed. Um, First of all, you know, the term incel, like, has a very complex history, but it is in its most commonly understood uh, iteration. It tends to conjure the vision of, uh, you know, young men and boys who don't understand that the reason that women don't like being in their company is because they're violent misogynists. And yet they feel entitled to that company anyway. And, and. You know, in the and often it's packaged as in a self-deprecating way. Oh, girls don't want to sleep with me because I don't make any money. I'm ugly and blah, blah, blah. And you know, bottoms opens <laughs> with that, you know, the scene of them in the bedroom and and they are expressing a lot of those sentiments. You know, PJ is talking about, well, we've looked like shit for years. <laughs> you know, we're gay, untalented, and ugly. ugly like, yeah. You can be gay but not untalented and ugly. Yeah. And, you know, recent until recently underdeveloped and and now we're finally hot. And the thing is, like, as you get to know that, as you get to know the girls, like, you realize that PJ is super brash and dismissive to everyone that she's not attracted to, um, and her <laughs> friend, and and Josie is, you know, more anxious and reserved, but you know, similarly aloof, almost, yeah. Uh, you know her, like she talks about her whole initial plan of pulling Isabel to involve, like ignoring her for decades and then making a move. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, which is kind of creepy. Like that's really <laughs> fucking creepy. Like <laughs> you think about, like it was hilarious as presented, but when you pick that apart, you're like, hang on a second. And and you know, Josie also has some serious fuckboy tendencies. Like she literally is wearing a shirt that says "spiritual playboy." At the start, she has a fake oh, yes, broken I arm. That, yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> really nothing has changed about their assessment of themselves. It's just that they're newly confident.
1: Yeah. And
3: as as the film unfolds and you realize that they, PJ in particular, but still them collectively, they see nothing wrong with lying to and exploiting the fears and other emotional vulnerabilities of their female classmates in order to lure them into this fight club under false pretenses like that is some serious intel shit and right solely
1: solely based around wanting to sleep with one particular person each right exactly. Josie and, yeah
3: exactly so all of this to say like to, to put that stream of consciousness tie a little bow in that it's <laughs> it it this movie was really interesting to me because it seemed to imply that it is it is not the gender of the person who is perpetrating harm against women. It is the per, the patriarchy and the perpetration of harm against women and the misogyny. That is the problem. And uh, for, for anybody who has a romantic or sexual fixation on women, you know, perhaps they are predisposed to that sense of entitlement toward us. Yeah. Um and so this was a really really interesting. I mean, this movie is in on the joke in the way that like yes. all the other ones we're talking about are not that is like mm-hmm.
1: crucial that is but true. in
3: in terms of like that framing and that sort of like dynamic between um yeah, between girls and women and the people who are attracted to them. Yeah, it's it's front and center.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think that that you made a point of like I guess as opposed to the other shows that we've mentioned, they are in on the joke. And I think that that's also a very common, like, tone with these movies within this genre is that they are all pretty, like, sarcastic and have this dry tone. It's not to be taken seriously, but they are also covering serious topics at the same time, if they even know that they are, right? Uh, Like, and they are very much more inclusive, of queerness as far as like these projects that we've talked about but they still do follow these storylines that we have seen in the past like you said like there is still this focus on romantically or sexually getting to be with this one person and it's the end all be all of their storyline and like you said the interesting part is is not gender based right like it is as we saw with bottoms they do end up with someone also every single one of these shows we have it might not be who we expect them to be, but as far as like you know, we saw PJ get with Hazel instead of Brittany and Bottoms and Lily ends up with Ola and Sex education, which was like another type of dynamic. I was really expecting to get
3: more Josie and PJ as a unit. i was getting I was hoping to get a stronger sense of the ties that bind them um, because they're clearly very, very deep roots in their relationship. They they have their little friendship necklaces. Um, you know, somebody makes a reference to them having met or befri- befriended each other in first or second grade. Um, they plan to go to college together. Like, they're not just friends. Like, they are best, best friends. And, yeah. and yet so little of the film... Um, really explored their relationship to each other. And it's not as clear as I feel like it should have been what they have in common aside from their social position and their sexual orientation. There should have been so many more scenes like the one that opened the film, you know, when they're just like shooting the shit, getting ready in the bedroom and um, for the, for the party or the festival. And like, that was just so funny and so, authentic because the thing is too, this, this movie is, is a product of female friendships. It's, it's not just about women and their relationships. It, it, the movie itself only exists because of such relationships. Um, Rachel Sennett and Ayo Adebri have been friends and, and co-collaborators throughout their young careers. Um, I haven't seen this show, but they, they did, uh, Io and Rachel are single. Um, it was like a web series that got picked up by Comedy Central or something like that. But like, this is not their first collaboration. So they have this natural chemistry and this rapport. You um, could feel that also, yeah. Which, you could feel to your that. point,
1: why did we not kind of, you know, go more into it?
2: This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it.
1: I think that, you know, it's interesting. We've talked about childhood friendships in the podcast and just kind of like the nuance that comes with it and also the sweetness that comes with childhood friendships, especially those that have lasted or have gone into adulthood. And I feel like this, like you said, there was these like hints that they have been friends since childhood, but we only see them in this and we only hear about them within this space, right? As friends, as friends in high school. And I do agree with you where like, there's so much there. You know, I even think about like the circle that they, when they're in this club, this fight club, and they have all the girls sit down in a circle to talk about their emotions, more so to trauma bond. And it's a very sarcastic, intentional, sarcastic move of them to be like, Oh, this is how we get the girls if we just kind of spill our feelings. And also deeply cynical, right? Yeah. Like right because it... it wasn't the intentions were purely to just make themselves more appealing to the women that they were trying to attract. That was the meanwhile we have was it like Hazel, which is uh pretty much like my favorite uh character in that. But like Hazel really going through it and sharing and I think it's it's interesting because it was more so like you want more, but I also appreciate that that is also what happens when you are quote unquote on a mission to sleep with someone or to be with someone is that they do become this focus that you don't see your friends on the sidelines and actually like you said could have gone into more of that um, as well. I know I mean this is I guess a spoiler of like PJ ending up with Hazel, which was interesting, like but. <laughs> but as 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 Arya, uh, you know, side eyes uh, when I said that. But I majorly rolled my eyes for those of
3: you yes. who cannot I mean, see t- me.
1: <laughs> tell me, tell me why that that ending? I guess ha- that happy ending. As I, I feel you <laughs> thinking Great right job. now, Diane Hazel. <laughs> so.
3: PJ does a lot of really reprehensible things to a lot of characters throughout the movie, but particularly yes. to Hazel. Hazel yes. um, you know, she is really cold and dismissive towards her unless she wants an audience and then she wants to feel important. And then, then she'll invite Hazel to the reindeer games so that there can be another body around. Um, you know, she... Yeah, so so there's there's a lot of these like snide remarks, and then just the outright cruelty. You know, during the scene where Hazel is standing up for herself, you know, and insisting on receiving some of the credit for keeping this group running, and PJ literally calls her mama's gang to her Mm -hmm. face and Mm -hmm. tells her that no one likes her, which is just my god, staggering, and also. Peak incel to take advantage of a woman's free labor, gaslight her about it, and then humiliate her in front of the group. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Ever since that word got put in my head, I was like, oh my God, like it applies. Um, <laughs> the way that PJ approaches her romantic relationships and her friendships is with that same posture because she does not respect girls, she doesn't respect yeah. women. And I think it is so, I think it is so important to see this genre of bad character. Like, I think it is important to understand that. And I I think the movie tries to make this point on, on many fronts that like, you know, the incels aren't always who you think they are. The people who cause harm or, or hold harmful belief patterns aren't who you think they are. And, you know, and more than just like, oh, like women can harm other women too, like, it's, it's not just about that. It's also, you know, think about the affair between Hazel's mom and the quarterback, right? Like that kid is like 17 tops. Okay. So like (laughs) that whole thing is totally fucked. Um, you know, we see all of these, I mean, it has, the movie has a lot of strong sexual politics. Um, you know, remember the, the fundraising scene when PJ seemingly is in encouraging, sweet, sheltered Isabel to sell her used panties yeah. <laughs> to old men,
1: like, again, that that's children. That role <laughs> is just, I mean, it, I guess it is supposed to make you feel cringe because of how absurd and uncomfortable it makes you feel because that is also what happens in real life, um, which I do, like you said, there is, the show does take those type of topics and Kind of give them back to you in that way. They're portrayed in that way. Or, like, you know, the trauma bonding that goes on and how it really is initiated and the intention behind it of like, that's not really what you were trying to do. We're not trying to really hear about your feelings. We just want us to lie about our feelings. So, that like, it is cringe, but it is what I have seen happen in real life or also from what I've heard. So, yeah. I guess there's complicated feelings there when it comes to to that, yeah.
3: Yeah, and and again, just like more missed opportunities. I mean, in this case, like written into the plot, but like more missed opportunities for true bonding and friendship, right? Like so many of those girls, you know, every time they hold the fight club, if you notice, like there's more and more girls in the last time, because it really is resonating with them. You know, there is a genuine sense of, you know, among the girls themselves, there is a genuine sense of willingness and desire for that safe space um, because they live in a, a culture in a society that refuses to protect them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we've talked about Bottoms and Never Have I Ever. I know that you really appreciate sex education. What I do appreciate with sex education is you do see these friendships between different characters that I really do appreciate. What do you love about sex education in terms of friendship and then also like this empowerment Clearly, it's the underlying theme, right? They're educating each other on sex because they want to explore the sexuality.
3: Yes, I. I there is something so just pure about sex education, which I, <laughs> I know is not the first word that most people think of when describing a show that is so sexually explicit at times. Yeah. But it is always done with so much intention and care, and and when I say care, like I mean care for the characters, which I know s- sounds superfluous, but I don't think it is because when you make a show, you know, you make any work of art, you know, you make a character, you are expecting people to identify with them. And so it just felt like before this show came out, I don't feel like there were a whole lot of programs depicting teenagers that really actually respected them and their interiority. These teenagers feel lived in Mm. and it feels again, like, like respect is shown for their experiences and not just seeing teenagers as like unformed adults but as human beings in a very very difficult life stage it really healed something in me seeing this show and particularly the way that these kids got to explore their sexual identities without the shame because i think for a lot of us shame has was a fundamental ingredient that that yeah that shaped our Mm, sexual sense of self, and this was definitely one of those shows that I was like, "Damn, I wish I had seen this when I was a teen." Like, I, I'm I'm glad I'm not a teen today, but <laughs> but yeah. I also wish I could have plucked this show out of of today and given it to myself. And 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 yeah, just the way that they formed friendships was so much of what I liked about the show. I liked that there didn't seem to be rules. There was something that felt so refreshing about, for example, um, Adam and Ola pairing off. Because at first you're like, oh, like you wouldn't think they were friends. But then two episodes later, you're like, oh, of course, because they have X, Y, and Z in common and this shared experience and, and this other thing. Of course they'd get along. You're just not used to seeing characters exactly. like them get yeah. along. Um Jackson and Viv, like you expected their whole, you know, he's the really popular, handsome jock and, you know, she is nerdy and smart and not as well liked by her peers. And so when they first, when he, sorry, when she begins to tutor him, the expectation is, oh, He's gonna get to know her, realize that, you know, there's more than just the <laughs> unattractive surface, and then they're gonna fall in love. But like what actually happens is so much more interesting. They just become bros. It's so great. <laughs> yeah. They just get to be around each other without all of that sexual tension. Will they, won't they? Um, you know, oh, we're friends, but I'm falling in, you know, one of us is falling in love with you with the other. And now we gotta figure that out. Like they just got to be buddies and talk about their lives.
1: Yeah. You do see this show kind of like you said. uh, What I appreciate is let these roles let these people these characters kind of explore their sense of self and strengthen it. You see that happen throughout the show and it's also not Revolving around, although it's called sex education, it's not revolving around sex or romance or anything like that. If anything, it's actually centered around friendships. Um, yes, and within I fully those friendships, agree. you explore those other topics, which I really appreciate. And like you said, they're not your the typical roles or the typical friendships or even the typical relationships that romantic relationships that you do see and you know, a big a big thing when it comes to even, like, the topic of, like, teen women on a mission or something, you know, it's that we're so used to seeing, I think, teenage girls explore their sexuality and it being, like, taboo for, and we've seen that for a very long time. It being, like, we've kind of alluded to of it being the center of the storyline of a character and also of the show or a movie, where I think with sex education, again, like, it's not about... The sex. It is about these characters exploring themselves, and that is a part of them exploring themselves, which I really do appreciate. And then also, you do see other, like, you see their parents clearly come into. Come into the folds and see their
3: relationships, their interpersonal. Family relationships, like friendships between adults. Like you see so, like the beauty of that huge ensemble cast is that you get to see so many different people bouncing off of each other. And I think that's so much of what, you know, creates that impression that the show is way more about friendship than it is about sex. Um, Perhaps we can better understand Sex and our sex lives, with the context of those other relationships, and that's so much of the confusion and 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 internal chaos that we see portrayed on screen about sex and relationships—it's it, it, myopia. It's just the fact that, like, the char- when the characters aren't allowed to think or talk about anything else, like, of course, it's going to seem fraught. Yeah, <laughs> but for these kids on sex education, like. The sex that they're having for most of them is like the least interesting or or the least like pressing thing about their teen lives. They have way bigger problems.
1: I guess that's what I'm what we're saying is that I think what is, I guess, the gem of this quote unquote genre that we just kind of made up is seeing more of this sense of self of all these characters kind of flourish and the nuance of your sense of self, right, of your Identity And within that, it is exploring your sexual preferences and sexual identity and sexuality and all these things. But what is the bigger picture is kind of like what we still crave for of all these characters. But why do these these shows or this genre speak to you? I think the same
3: thing that draws me to that drew me to sex education work um The profession, not the show. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like, I became a sex educator for the same reason, which is that I am part of a culture. You know, I'm born and raised in the United States. I am part of a culture that is famously puritanical when it comes to sex. And so, sex sells, it's everywhere, but also we can't talk about it. And given that it is, again, such an important facet of so many lives, you know, when I was younger, all I really had was pop culture. The older I got, I became more aware of the extent to which. I and my peers were using pop culture as a map in the absence of broader and more nuanced and more comprehensive conversations about sexuality and and education about sex. And so, to finally answer your question, (laughs) I am very interested in unpacking the ways that pop culture has programmed us because I feel like it's an extremely effective way to understand ourselves. I mean pop culture has always been a prism. It is it is a prism of the human experience that we are welcome to look into and and take from what we want, you know, whatever resonates and so forth. But it's hard not to see that the stories that we're telling each other have really meaningful and measurable impacts on the ways that we go about sex and relationships in real life. It's not just entertainment and so i feel like the best thing that we can do for ourselves as individuals and and collectively is to unpack that stuff out loud and in public as much as we can so that we can become more adept at drawing the lines between what actually resonates with us and and how much has been how much we've just absorbed unwittingly and and not not questioned when we should have
1: yeah yeah i mean i have this uh, appreciation of seeing more different perspectives, more different identities that we had not seen in the past that we can also connect to, that we didn't even know that we could connect to until we actually do. Um, like, I look forward to having more of that. And I feel like this genre gives us a little bit of a taste to it. Of course, I think we want more. And I think it's very smart to unpack it in order for us to then vocalize what we need to see. But yeah, yeah. I I appreciate this conversation, Aria. Thank you so much. If you have, I mean, being a sex educator it makes sense that you've taught me a, a lot even within this <laughs> within this episode, but oh, I appreciate I'm so you. glad you think so. I appreciate you joining me and I appreciate um, those who are listening. if anyone has any thoughts or feels about what we talked about today or want to share how your heart is, um, send us an email what about your friends pod at gmail.com. Thank you, Aria and talk to everyone next week. Thank you so much, Erica.